Return this morning to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, this morning we thank you for the compelling invitation that ends our text. It bids us come, and we do come. And we come for the very reason as prescribed, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in this time of many needs. Thank you for each one that is here. We ask your blessing upon the study today. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. The first two words of our text are seeing then. The Greek word for seeing here has to do with mental grasp and logical understanding. The word then refers backward or to the previous thoughts forwarded and is likewise most often translated in your Bible and mine as therefore. So, uh, seeing therefore, or being mentally cognizant then, would be the thought of those first two words. We are now to be told of Jesus Christ in a way that builds upon the previous truths that have been seen and understood. So what is the truth that we see? What is the truth that we are going to see? Well, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we were told the Messiah is superior to the Old Testament prophets and superior to the angels in heaven. In chapter 3, we were told the Messiah is superior to Moses. And in chapter 4 thus far, we've been told that Messiah is superior to Joshua. And now, at the end of chapter 4, we're going to be told the Messiah is superior to any Old Testament high priest, specifically the priest of point and emphasis, Aaron. Kenneth Wiest calls attention to the ascending scale of importance that is developing here in the book of Hebrews concerning the presentation of Messiah. He says, quote, The prophets gave the word to Israel through the disposition of angels. Moses led Israel out of Egypt. Joshua led the nation into Canaan. But all this would be of no avail if Israel did not have a high priest to mediate God's provision of salvation. And so, 
Uh, Weiss calls attention to the fact that there is an ascending scale here. Christ is greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than Aaron. That's where we've been going. That's the ascending scale that is referenced here at the beginning of uh, our text, verse 14, by the words, seeing then. Focus is now placed upon our great high priest, seeing then that we have a great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ. This emphasis begins in earnest here and will continue, ready, through chapter 10, verse 18. It'll be years before we get out from underneath the banner of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Now, the thought of Christ as high priest has been mentioned repeatedly uh, since chapter 1, where we read of Christ, quote, by himself purged our sins, end quote. In chapter 2, we learn more about the mercy and the faithfulness of Messiah, the high priest, in chapter 3, we were commanded at the very beginning to keep our gaze upon the apostle and the high priest of our profession, chapter 3, verse 1. And now in chapter 4, at verse 14, Messiah, the high priest, is presented under the descriptive adjective, great. And this is no Tony the Tiger great. This is no you're coming for a visit great. This is no, that new ice cream brand is really great. This is not any level of great that you and I so commonly talk about. Is there an adjective in the English language more used than great? I'm coming, great. I'm leaving, great. I'm going, great. Everything for us is great. But Christ actually is And so you have to remind yourself of the language here. It is meant to be exciting. It's meant to be encouraging. It's meant to grab a hold of your attention. And uh, we're going to be week by week by week now for chapter after chapter after chapter through chapter 10 talking about our great high priest. There's a real sense in which the greatness of the Lord Jesus is beautifully summarized in our text, 14, 15, 16. Now, this morning, I'm just going to point to the three things that are stated under the banner of the Lord's greatness. And then next week, we'll return to this text in order to develop each facet as it is particularly introduced in the text. But again, for this morning, somewhat of an overview and a summary. We begin with verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Jesus Christ is the great high priest because of his conquest. Verse 14. The Hebrew believers were told of their high priest who operates before the actual throne of God in heaven. 
The key phrase in verse 14 concerning Messiah is that Messiah has passed through the heavens. Verse 14. Now, the Old Testament high priest, we could cite Aaron, an example, would pass through the outer court of the tabernacle or the temple where the brazen altar and uh, the laver were to be found. And then the high priest would pass through uh, the holy place where the candlestick and the table of showbread and the golden incense altar uh, were found. And then the Old Testament high priest uh, would alone, all by himself, pass into the Holy of Holies, where above that mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant would be found a unique glory, a manifestation of glory, concerning God's own presence. The high priest was the only person in Israel that got to experience in the Holy of Holies the glory, manifested glory, of God as present. But the logic of Hebrews chapter 4 is that our high priest, priest or Messiah as high priest is greater than that. The Lord Jesus ascended up through the atmosphere of the earth's zone of physical life. I like to call it the biosphere. He continued to rise and ascend through the zone that we call outer space. And ultimately, he ascended into what Paul calls the third heaven, the very dwelling place of God. This is the reference in verse 14 as the Lord passing through the heavens. The plural term heavens in Scripture is understood to mean atmosphere, outer space, and God's unique place or abode. Messiah went to the place where God himself, not just his glory dwells, but God himself dwells. The high priest of the Old Testament went into a special room, the Holy of Holies, outer court, holy place, holy of holies, to enter into a manifestation of the glory of God as present. But the Lord Jesus passed through the atmospheric heaven and through outer space into the very presence of God the Father in the throne room of God as present. And that surely helps us to understand how great he is. Now, you and I live in a strange day when a guy named Musk that has nothing to do with a deer and a guy named Bezos has, uh, have been celebrated on the earth because they went through the atmosphere up into what we call outer space, although I would say 
Barely. I mean, they, they just made it. But there is no possibility of Musk, Elon Musk, or Jeff Bezos making it before the throne of God apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ. All the money of Bezos, all the money of Elon Musk cannot secure eternal life. Jesus ascended through the atmosphere, through outer space, and went right up into the presence of the Almighty. He is our great high priest. I mean, this kind of preaching gets fun, I'm telling you. I've been looking forward to this section. Now, the second thing here, Jesus is great, our mediator is great, our high priest is great because of his compassion. Verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The dual thought here in this verse is that the Lord Jesus was and is untouched by sin, but touched by sinners. Now think about that. The overriding thought of the verse is is that Jesus is untouched. Sin has not touched him ever. Sin cannot touch him ever. He is untouched. And yet, he is not untouched by sinners. And that is our hope, and that is our gospel truth. He has nothing to do with sin. He has everything to do with sinners. The only reason that we can come together and worship God, the only reason that we can celebrate the Lord's table, the only reason we can be confident of, uh, of the Lord's return is because of the fact is that Jesus is just greater than anything else that could be named or anyone else that could be named. He is our great high priest. He's untouched by sin himself, but he is touched by our feelings and our infirmities. And that's what causes us to obey verse 16 in a moment and come to him. We'll get there. But now think about his personal purity. Untouched of sin, though touched by sinners. His personal purity is the qualifier of his saving mission. Because he's untouched by sin, but touched by sinners He has heart for sinners and saves sinners. And you and I delight to say that God so loved the world. We take great comfort and encouragement in this compassion. The compassion of the Lord Jesus for sinners. And indeed, we we often sing about it. I was looking at the hymn book and I made a copy of one of the little gospel songs we sing. The song is entitled, No One Understands Like Jesus. This is, No One Understands Like Jesus. He's a friend beyond compare. Meet him at the throne of mercy. He is waiting for you there 
No one understands like Jesus when the foes of life assail. You should never be discouraged. Jesus cares and will not fail. No one understands like Jesus when the days are dark and grim. No one is so near, so dear as Jesus. Cast your every care on him. That kind of, that kind of blessedness, that kind of relief, that kind of, uh, of satisfaction and joy comes when the heart and the mind lifts to come towards the Lord, knowing that he is untouched by sin, yet touched by sinners. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. And it is just such a blessed thing for me to know that you are touched by me, though untouched by sin. And because of the fact that the Lord is untouched of sin, but touched with me and you, we can proclaim the gospel together this morning at the table of the Lord. Number three, Jesus Christ is the great high priest because of his commodities. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, commodity number one, and find grace, commodity number two, to help in time of need. With Messiah in the very throne room of God, believers can avail themselves of two great things, mercy and grace. You cannot get divine mercy at Meyer. You cannot find grace on sale at Goodwill. These are things that you can only get directly from the warehouse in heaven. Amazon cannot deliver them. Mercy and grace. These are things that are made available to us by our great high priest, Jesus the Christ. Now believe me when I tell you, I'll have a lot more to say about that next week. But for this morning, as we prepare ourselves for a full and hearty participation at the table of our Lord, let's remind ourselves of what emphasis upon great high priest, as it's found here, would have had upon first century Hebrew believers, and then give a pause, as it were, to the emphasis upon our own souls in this moment of time. First, first century Hebrew Christians were under tremendous pressure to retreat back to Judaism, and found in this emphasis on the great messianic high priest comfort and encouragement to cease and persist. They would have grasped the truth of a new Sabbath keeping, verse 9. They would have understood the necessity of active living after the earthly pattern of Christ, verse 11. They would have rejoiced in living, energetic, and discerning word of God written down and living above them. They would have clung to the truth of Messiah as commanded in verse 14b. And they would have come to the Lord as commanded in verse 16a. Verse 14 says that the logical outcome for the Hebrews of the first century when contemplating the greatness of Christ was a, verse 14, to cling to him. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Cling 
to Christ. Verse 16, come to Christ. Cling to Christ. Get a hold of him, don't let go. Verse 16, come to Christ, and 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 come to Christ. Cling and come become the things that we will use to look at these verses again when we gather next Lord's Day morning, uh, Lord willing. But as the Hebrew Christians would hear of this clinging and this coming, they would understand something of the greatness of Jesus Christ. For us, who are positioned in Christ by the indwelling Holy Spirit, for us to be reminded of our great high priest is to be strengthened in our faith and to be well motivated in faithfulness to God. We have embraced the cease of Christ, the Sabbath of Christ relative to his finished work on the cross as so beautifully represented by this table. We rest in the Lord and his accomplishments at the cross. And we persist in godly activity to the glory of God in response. Ours is a life of cease. And persist. Cease in the cross. And persist in an energetic life as unto the Lord. And so we end the little challenge devotionally this morning to the text. Where we'll begin next week. Verse 14. Let us hold fast. Let us cling. Verse 16. Let us come boldly. To the throne of grace. And come and come and come. For those blessed commodities of mercy and grace. In a contemporary sense. That we might live as unto the Lord. The great Lord bids us come. And we do this. In remembrance of him. Father this morning. We are thankful for our opportunity in the word and at the table. And it is our prayer that as your people we would be most mindful of the cease and the persist of the life that we have in Christ. Because of the Lord's cease, because of the Lord's Sabbath, because of the Lord's declaration, it is finished. We rest in our Lord and in the power of his might. And dear Lord, with this reminder of the gospel truth upon which we are founded and grounded, we seek to persist in a life that glorifies you and encourages others in the things of the Lord. Bless now thy people as they partake at the table and proclaim the truth of thy return in glory and power in the day to come. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.